educate me some more on? Sure, sure. Well, I've, it's been probably about a year since I've bought a new Spider-Man comic, so I'm a, I'm a little bit behind myself. <laughs> understood, understood. I did the, the, the classic fanboy move of like getting just super into a storyline, being really upset at a plot point, and it's just, nope, I'm not buying anymore. <laughs> what, what was that last plot point that upset you the most? Um, well, at the end of the Amazing Spider-Man series in uh, Spider-Man 700, um, Spider-Man and Doc Ock had switched bodies. I remember and that. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the Doc Ock body died. So now Spider-Man was alive with Doc Ock's brain inside of him, and they started a Superior Spider-Man comic. I remember that. And I, was re- I was really into it. I was buying every issue and like all of the all of the like peripheral stuff like the superior foes of spider-man and the the annuals and all of this and um dan slot who was in charge of spider-man at the time and still is uh said in a letter in like the editor's letter at the end is like you guys need to get used to ox spidey he's not going anywhere peter parker is dead forever and i was like cool finally they're you know standing behind a decision that's like you know risky and and they're doing it for for story purposes and i really respected that and three months later spider-man came back to life (laughs) (laughs) you know that sounds similar to and i hate to change universes so quickly but that sounds similar to when uh when chris duckman actually respected that batman superman killed superman and then like it, it would have been like actually a risky move for the dc to like move forward with no superman um, they tried it. Kind of, in the 90s. Yeah, it was kind of very soon for them to do it in their universe, the, theatrically speaking. But at the same time, uh, it was a it was a a bold move that he respected, which he in his mind he thought was like the only thing worth seeing Batman Superman for. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I feel the same way about Spider Man the Doc Ock situation. Um, I think it was an interesting plot twist. Um, I'm not sure if it got as many fans as up in arms about cap saying hail hydra but that's another subject <laughs> but yeah so i'm i'm excited to see do, do you think that was a more of a move to maybe put miles morales more in the spotlight maybe i've i've never cared about anything outside of uh, 616 the mainstream continuity right so like i don't know maybe M- miles morales really isn't on my radar mm-hmm yeah, that's why I, that's why I'm kind of interested to see uh, what what's um, even though they've had a uh, iffy track history, I'm still interested to see what Sony's going to do with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse in December um, to see like how many different um, different versions of Spidey are they going to throw into this um, in this animated feature. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. There's an animated feature. Yeah, it's coming out this December. They already uh, released the trailer like a year in advance, and it was pretty incredible. It's it's almost like the best of like IMAX animation meets anime, and it was really like really cool what they did with the with the look for this. Oh, that that sounds interesting. Yeah, and from the looks of it, we're just like um, theorizing here, but it looked like they ended the trailer with uh, Miles Morales talking with Peter Parker. Hmm. Yeah, and that that has that's happened, you know. 
time yeah, travel. They also had interdimensional a, whatnot. Correct, and then and then they also had, but they also had a um, a cemetery stone uh, with I think Spider Man's name on it or Peter Parker's name on it. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what they do with that one. Yeah. So outside of that, um, besides the Doc Ock situation, um, has there been like any other plot points in Spider-Man continuities that you wish they would have stuck to or changed? Mm, yeah, that's that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm 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 fine with them bringing back Ben Riley. Like I, I always assumed Ben Riley survived. Um, well, I guess um, uh, one more day. Uh, that that was kind of uh, 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 a weak move. That when the uh, when Spider Man made a deal with the devil, right? Which sounds unless it's just a. Uh... Uh, what you call what's the word again unless it's just a, a naive teenage decision it kind of felt like a very unspidey thing to do but <laughs> yeah well i it it makes sense for the character of peter parker like aunt may is all he had left really as, right. as far as family goes exactly so like to lose her would be devastating and I could see him wanting to do anything to get her back. And, like, the, the way right. they did it in the comic was that, like, he didn't want to do it. It was Mary Jane that convinced him to do it. Right. And, like, you know, that well, erased their marriage, you know, so they weren't married anymore. Right. Which I kind of, I kind of, uh, that was actually going to be my next question, kind of a, kind of a smoother transition. Uh, my next question to you would have been, uh, how would you feel like, uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man does in relationships. Do you do you think that the woman kind to kind of tend to over influence a lot of his decisions, or do you think he kind of exercises a little mind of his own when it comes to relationships? Oh, well, I mean, he's you know he he's he falls into that like he has to save the girl, like you know he's he's put right. put into situations where he you know pretty much has to or else he he wouldn't be a hero. Um, right. But it, it, as far as as like the the women in his life influencing like who he is, um, I I, th I think they they actually do a pretty good job with that. Like uh, Mary Jane especially is is very very yeah. supportive of him. Uh, very um, you know he she makes him stronger. Yeah, which which is why I'm I'm kind of on the fence about. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love her as an actress and as a person, but I'm because of the way she was introduced personality-wise in Homecoming, I'm kind of scared as to what they're going to do with MJ on the big screen in the future. That's not Mary Jane. <laughs> That's the thing, though. It, we know it's not Mary Jane, but why still use the nickname MJ? Like, are we doing, like, a, a crossover alias thing here, or... Are we trying to reinvent her character? I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I think they're they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They 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 want yeah. they 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 want to introduce Mary Jane as a new, different kind of character, but right. they know that people will not accept that. <laughs> so they're trying to be like, oh yeah, you know, this character like 
fills the place of that other character, but it's a different person. Don't worry about all the differences we've made. And like they tried to, they tried to like reveal it at the end as like a twist. It's like, that's not a twist. (laughs) (laughs) I fully agree. And then I'm also curious to see with, uh, with all their, with all their Spider-Man spinoffs. I'm curious to see what Sony's going to do with black and silver, because I don't know if they'll ever, have a black cat spider-man crossover so so we'll see how that goes because black cat always even though even though they've she's been a love interest she's always been kind of that i think she kind of lives up to to the name synonymous with she's pretty much the the cat woman of the Mm spider-verse yeah the one that she she's that type of female where she wants to be so-called independent 100 percent, but like you said have her cake and eat it too when it comes to uh, a hero love interest like um, it's almost like the same intensity I have uh, when I play through the Batman Telltale games like should I keep this relationship with Catwoman or should I just break her heart because it seems like she always has you on the fence as to just crushing your heart in her hands or or actually maintaining a trustworthy relationship with you so I'd like to see that part of Spidey explored on the big screen as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Black Cat's a, a super interesting character because, like, I, I think that's, I mean, I, there's probably other examples, but I can't think of them. It's, she's unique in that not only an anti-hero, but she's also, she's almost an anti-love interest. You know, she she, yes. she fills all the roles of a love interest, but, like, the 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 motivations and 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 the the backstory are all kind of inverted and twisted you know he exactly he and can't... that's what makes her that's what makes her a contemporary of catwoman because catwoman's exactly the same exactly exactly he he he'd like to be with her you know she's she's hot and smart and all, all of all of these great things but she keeps committing crimes and he's a hero so he, you know you can't do that exactly and they they play with that even in the and even in the injustice games as well so like, um, in, in my opinion, bla- a Black Cat Spider-Man interest might be also maybe an ideal way to go since they already introduced the interracial love interest in Homecoming. Uh, Black Cat might be even might even take that a little further. So, so I, I'd be really oh, curious. It, to see. Is Black Cat a, a, a black woman in Black and Silver? That's the other thing I have no idea because um, I have no idea who the castings are, first of all. Because I know that's what she is in the comics. Um, but Black as far Cat? as the castings, yeah, but as far as the casting goes, I'm not sure because, of course, the only tiny taste we got of her was Felicia and the Amazing Spider-Man Two, and of course, that's the girl from Rogue One. But uh, yeah, well, in the comics, she's she's white. She's like a blonde-haired Felicia Harding, right? And they they kind of somewhat changed that in in a couple other alternate comics. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of change it for for the MCU as well, but mm-hmm. um, but uh, for me, even what they did, I think that's why people considered it a mess. Like even teasing Felicia and the Amazing Spider-Man too, like that is not. She has like, in my opinion, respect to her because I think she's great in other films. But as far as Rogue One and the Amazing Spider-Man Two is concerned, she had like no charisma whatsoever. Well, she had like two lines <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, this is there. There wasn't much to much to judge there. But then that's the point. Like, why even introduce that character? She's only going to get two lines. So, well, yeah, that's that's all Spider-Man Two was <laughs> was like 
here's here's three dozen threads that we might explore. <laughs> Why don't you tell us which ones you like best, and we might do it's them. Like the, ju- it's like the Justice League email and Batman Superman. <laughs> like, let's just throw at <laughs> you all these characters just to give them their two second cameos, because we know you're gonna get a Justice League in the future. Like, how how uh, disrespectful are you gonna treat your fans to think that they're not gonna get a Justice League in the future? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as if that's not the goal. Exactly. So, uh, I'm I'm so sad about that. But anyway, um, getting back to that, um, what are your thoughts on now Tom Hardy doing Venom? Uh, I like Tom Hardy. Um, I think it's weird to do a Venom movie without mentioning Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. Because why does he? Why does he have a spider on his chest? Uh, yep. Yep. this is where things get tricky because whenever and i'm not saying sony's doing this intentionally but it feels like uh compared to the sam raimi days which i'm i have my beef with as well it seems like sony has this thing where they think they could do things independently but the more you nitpick them there's so many fine details that they're missing out on great opportunities just to cash in on like fellow great ideas and even the whole thing with what happened before they even made the Sam Raimi trilogy um, I'm sure you already heard the story that at that time they actually had um, the opportunity to buy out all the Marvel heroes and they said oh nobody cares about any of these heroes they only care about Spider-Man so Mm -hmm. Sony had their chance to own the MCU and I'm sure the biggest mistake in blockbuster movie history (laughs) Yeah, well, and, like, you can't really blame them at the time. Nobody gave a single shit about Iron Man before the Iron Man exactly. movie came out. And it's it, it's just like any other movie. It doesn't really matter what it's about. Yeah. If it's done well, people will love it. Exactly. And I think that's where the MCU got it right in the sense where their, it seemed like their goal was to take heroes that nobody gave a shit about and to actually give them a reason to give a shit and then have this whole... Avengers end goal in mind that has made into this blockbuster universe that I think no one in movie history could have comprehended. Yeah, it was amazing how they they turned that around too because like in the comics world it's it's the it's the standalones that are like the 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 popular well-selling things. Oh, yeah. Uh the Avengers was a dumping ground. Oh yeah. They would they would put their least popular characters into the Avengers, just like I don't know, do something with exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> That's so crazy, and uh, I think I think they're only giving me like ten seconds here, but yeah. So I I digress from Spider Man way too much, but last thing I'll probably leave with is he better come back to life after Infinity War, and I hope that's not a spoiler. <laughs> Yes, Mr. Sam. Hey, how's it going? Great. How do you pronounce your last name, by the way? Is it Frio or Frio? Or... <laughs> Free Eye. Free Eye. Yeah. It's going to take me a while to get used to that, but whatever. Yeah, no, it, it makes no phonetical sense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So how's your day so far? All right, all right. Been a, a little... uh little lethargic, dispassionate, which I know is perfect uh, podcast mood to be in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
as long as long as we're insomniacs that don't have our brains ever go to sleep. I think it's a, a melancholic quality. <laughs> but yeah, so um, we're, this is all on the air already, right? Because this is the first time I'm doing it this way where you're like calling me and recording at the same time. It seems like every time we do this, it's like a, a little tweak. Yeah, and there hasn't been any updates, so I don't know if I'm if we're like initiating it differently every time or what. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's going. That's so true. So anyway, uh, do you want to start off with uh, personal backgrounds or uh, or comic love background? Um, well, I mean that we, it sounds like we could probably roll those into uh, into the same thing. Yeah, of course. Uh, you want to shoot first, or I go first? Uh, well, I, sure. I um, for for me, I got uh, I got into comics through cartoons. Yep. So that was you know, growing up in the '90s, they had some pretty kick-ass comic book cartoons. So that that's that's where I first uh, got into into comic books, and I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm so heavily into Spider-Man is that that right. was one of the best. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think it, it came with an experience of relating, like, because I have a deep, uh, passionate love for music, which I host another radio show about for the last four years. But this is another dream come true for me as well, because I kind of correlate um, how I've traveled to over 30 or 40 different countries with my love for comics as well, as it ties into my love for music, because I've noticed that no matter where you go in the world, people always have a comic book story they can relate to just like they can find a song they relate to. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because um, what makes comic books uh, so relevant, I think they're relevant for two reasons. Um, So many, I mean, even though it's mostly fictitious, I kind of feel like a lot of real world plots that were in the comics back in the sixties and seventies have already occurred like 20, 30 years later. So I feel like they're comics slash almost like prophetic books. And then also, I also kind of feel like they kind of take humanity and real world events um, as like the the centerpiece to humanize these characters that we all know and love. And uh, it makes makes for a brilliant story and makes it that ever that more engaging as opposed to just um, like like Stanley said back in the day when he started, how they wanted him to just write action pieces, and he said, "What's action pieces with no depth or no characterization?" So I'm glad his wife convinced him to stand his ground on that. That these these characters needed a backstory in order for us to relate. Well, that and he uh, would have been swiftly out of a job. Exactly. Exactly. That was like it was almost like a do or die moment, which of course Marvel just has having, had a lot of those. It seems like we've all we've already seen Marvel die and resurrect like maybe three or four times since its initiation. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, in the late '80s, going into the '90s, and then yeah, again with the uh, about ten years ago with the Marvel Studios. Yeah, it seemed like Marvel Studios now is like the the ever the everlasting resurrection <laughs> I, I like this is probably the biggest um the biggest life support it's ever been given 
<laughs> Absolutely. Although it's it's surprising how how uh, successful the movies are, while the comics are still struggling quite hard. Exactly. the The more the movies rise, the more the comics decline. And I think they said partially the reason for that, like we discussed the first time we started recording this, was um, is partially because their like forced diversity or forced change of characters to characters we already knew and loved for years and it it felt like they were trying to meet a um a minority crowd's demand as opposed to appeasing to the majority that has already supported them from the beginning and um i i kind of i kind of feel like the new writers should take that into consideration that find ways to reinvent the characters without dishonoring the audience that has already grown to love these characters the way they are. Are you um, talking in terms of just the, the way they're, they're structuring the storytelling with the, the constant like reboots and, 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 and starting points, or are you thinking more in terms of like how they're, how they're casting their comics, the, 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 the characters that they're involving? I would say a bit of both. I don't know what your opinion is on it. Um, well, I mean, Marvel's always kind of just thrown a bunch of stuff at the wall just to see what sticks. Right. Um, so, like, as far as, like, the, um, like, Ironheart and uh, the the new, I, I forget, is she the Miss Marvel or the new Captain Marvel? Um, but yeah, with a, a lot of those those uh, more more diverse characters, it I mean, it, it makes sense. It's it's what Marvel's always done, and and you know we'll we'll see the ones the ones that people like will continue on, and the ones that people don't like will you know fade away. It, that's that's just what they've always done. Yeah, I kind of feel like with Marvel, like you said, the the whatever thrown whatever at the wall and hope that it sticks example is the best way to describe their development process or evolution over the years because i kind of feel like they play this hit and miss game while uh while i kind of feel like dc kind of does the um everything that you've grown to love will tell it to you in reverse in an alternate universe so i i kind of feel like instead of the hit and miss game with DC, it feels like even if they make a mistake, they'll force feed it to you until it grows on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they just destroy entire universes on the regular. Exactly. And I kind of feel like they're following the same pattern with their cinematic universe, too. I feel like, um, no, we don't care how bad we think these movies are. We're going to keep forcing feeding it down <laughs> your throat because we know what we're doing. <laughs> Yeah, well, they've they've kind of pigeonholed themselves as as far as that, you know, with the the whole like making everything hinge on the Batman v Superman movie exactly. means that like everything that comes off of it has to have this like weird dark tone or it doesn't feel like it fits. I remember when they were starting this um, on the Angry Joe show. Angry Joe said, um, "DC's always saying, oh, we don't want to be Marvel. We want to be different.'" And he's like, "Yes, you do." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you, but you, you marvel's bank account for sure <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah it's it's a big i would say their cinematic universe was more um the reason why i i don't consider marvel as much even though it's of course is both sides is a big cash in but the reason why i felt like marvel is not 
as motivated on cash-ins as DC is because I felt like Marvel is more motivated on really, uh, really, how should I say, stabilizing and giving a solid foundation to this 10-year build as opposed to I feel like DC wanted to do a 10-year build in like two to five years. And, yeah. And, yeah, because they it's, it's almost like I would compare it to the Microsoft Zoom trying to catch up with the Apple iPod. It's like, I mean, I enjoyed my Zoom when I had it, but I was like, this is too little too late. I know this is going to die out eventually. I mean, I got amazingly freaking happy when they brought it back at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So I was like, okay, I'm not the only one. Yeah. But, at the, but at the same token, it felt like this is how like the DC Cinematic Universe compares to the Marvel Universe. It's like, okay, you brought it. It's a great product. But Marvel has already been outselling you all these years. So like, unless you do something drastically different, you're going to end up in the ground. And unless they do a Flashpoint movie now, it seems like that's where they're headed. Yeah. So, like... Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with that. I mean, there, there are so many... There are infinite, interesting possibilities that they could go for, but I, I feel like they're probably going to do it in the, the safest, most generic way they possibly can. Right. Like now my thoughts on the upcoming uh on the upcoming Aquaman, I kind of feel like this is tone wise, it's either gonna lead us down a non colorful dark Thor Ragnarok mode, or it's gonna lead into maybe an old Thor type of type of road. And I'm not really sure how it's gonna work, but um uh, that that's what my previous thoughts are gonna be probably leading up to Aquaman as as far as the whole motorcycle or rock star type of thing goes with Jason Momoa's look, I kind of feel like they're um, almost making him like a family-friendly Lobo, but only time will tell. Yeah, yeah that, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> only time will tell if that's going to work in the long run for Aquaman, but I, I still have high hopes that that could be just as successful as Wonder Woman was, and of course, um, with the exception of casting Kristen Wiig as Cheetah, um, I pray it works. Um, I hope it's not a Jesse Eisenberg fail. I am excited for Wonder Woman too. Although I've I've been impressed with Kristen Wiig's performances in the past, and and I I believe that she could she could pull out something. Yeah, really I, I, I I love her as a person. I'm not really that crazy as you are about her performances, but um, at the same token, though, she she just does not look like Cheetah at all to me. Like in in my opinion, I've gotten so attached to not only the comics but unfortunately my biased opinion the the injustice 2 versions of these characters that i'm okay. like i feel like the cinematic version owes at least studying how the injustice games have come and how successful they are and try to model their characters after those looks okay that, that, that's interesting because that's actually kind of um one of my complaints with some of their designs like harley quinn for example was like somewhere in between one of like the Arkham games and injustice. And uh, I, I don't know. It was just, it seemed like a little much. Right. Right. And then I also kind of feel like um, I kind of agree with Grace Randolph on this, that I felt like injustice two was the most immersive DC experience. Like the, the one final, like more modern type of representation that I felt truly honored every one of the characters and made them shine. So now, now I'm, I'm familiar with injustice. 
but not 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 injustice 2 like injustice is the one where like superman is a fascist and batman yes. wants to kill him right right kind of kind of similar down that road injustice 2 kind of kind of continues that storyline by throwing uh supergirl in the mix and also um, because because Joker spoiler alert because Joker betrays Harley in Injustice One she then joins uh, the Bat Squad and is okay. a- it's Injustice Two the one where the Joker kills Lois Lane that's that's or the first one he tricks Superman into killing Lois Lane yeah yeah that's yeah. that's how the first one started okay yeah so that that's been the basis of the entire plot. Uh, and then just building on that Injustice 2 and then also throwing Brainiac into the mix for Injustice 2. Okay, so it's just a continuation of the story. It's not like Secret Wars 2 or Civil yeah, War 2. Or it's just a completely different thing. It's a complete complete continuation. And then also, I definitely feel like they have a strong build now for an, for an Injustice 3. Yeah, like I really think this is one of those games that deserves a trilogy because of how well the story's been told so far, which which again is a extreme rarity for fighting games because arcade fighting games usually have the cheesiest, most hell bending, like nauseating storylines. Yeah, yeah, but barely a story at all. Just like there is this contest, go. <laughs> <laughs> like that—that's the plot of, of Mortal Kombat. So- Listen, I've been I've been a, a diehard Tekken fan for years, but I'm getting so sick and tired and fed up of every single story. The King of Iron Fist tournament is back, calling all the world. <laughs> and and then I like they always promise, they always overpromise and underdeliver with this. Like they're like they're gonna tell us something about tell us something about Jin Kazuya and Hihachi that we don't already know. And, <laughs> and they never dive in deeper on any of those characters. We don't know any of their motivations. We don't know any of their backstories. It's just we're watching a father, son, grandfather fighting. Every gene gets more evil than the last gene. And we don't know why. I don't know, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I went like I, I always played um, the Mortal Kombat games when I was growing up, and oh, I, I kind of I kind of liked that ill-defined story. Like that was that was kind of appealing because you could just kind of imagine your yeah. own plot line to it, you know? Right. Right. And and they've got like little bits of lore that you know, like like I I don't know everything that Scorpion's done, but I know that. Sub Zero killed him, and now he's coming back for revenge. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, and I think to be honest, if you if you take a, a look back at it, maybe Tekken could have taken a few pointers from Mortal Kombat. But no offense to you, because you probably have a different opinion. But I'm just so grateful that Mortal Kombat learned their lesson to not ruin injustice with that type of storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> Like especially when we got that that hideous uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, which should have been a brilliant idea. I kind of feel like Injustice is everything that game should have been, but but at the same token, uh, it kind it kind of felt like almost like what we got with like Street Fighter versus Tekken and stuff like that. Um, and then even worse, um, I've never been a fan of Marvel versus Capcom. 
Oh, yeah, I've, I've played a fair amount of that. I, I, I like that game. Yeah, I mean, again, all great ideas, but in my opinion, either ter- ruined by a terrible story, terrible graphics, not no offense, or just, or just ruined by just a bunch of just cheesiness. Like, I mean, I get the cheesiness that we get from the comics, but because of how much comics have evolved, I think we need to kind of give them a little more respect because some people, especially with, uh, I'm not that drastic, but some people like with crying their eyeballs out at Infinity War, like people have actually gone attached to these people like they're actual living human beings. So um, I'm not sure how much longer the cheesy route can go. Uh, I think you need the best of both. And I think that's what makes uh, like what we discussed on previous shows, the Russo brothers balance of comic uh, comic humor and like pure, solid, well-grounded, tense action uh, mixed so well in their movies. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I guess I don't necessarily need it in in a fighting game. Right. Like, right. I, I think like the, the setup to Injustice, like from what I what I know of it, like the, the general story and like they've has there been like a, a cartoon movie or something based on it? I believe so, but I don't think to the exact same storytelling. I okay. think Injustice took a familiar story and made something uh, completely new and fresh out of it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a storyline that people are very familiar with, and it's it's very, I would say, very Civil War like, but um, well, like Dark Knight, right? The Frank Miller. I would take it more like a combination of if you were to take Marvel Civil War and mix it up with uh, Red Sun Nazi Superman, that's what that's what Injustice is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like those two comics were put in a blender and we got and we got a beautiful, gorgeous looking fighting game out of it. Nice. Yeah, which in my opinion, again, um, the the legacy of other fighting games are too strong to contend with. But as far as just actual aesthetics, um, Injustice 2, in my opinion, is the most aesthetically pleasing fighting game anyone's ever seen. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've seen clips from it. It is quite impressive. Although anytime Superman is in a fighting game, I, I'm just like, how does that even work? Like, why well, doesn't he punch everyone's head off right away? Exactly. Like, he can, he can move at the speed of light. What's going on here? You know, <laughs> me, 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 and my, me and my, uh, my friend in New Jersey always have this debate. He's like, I love comics, but I get so irritated that for, for like, uh, what he says, for like evenness or equality's sake, they always dumb down a, a character's full power potential for the sake of entertainment. Yeah, because, as well in, in fighting games for definite sure. Yeah, but but he also says to a certain degree in in the movies as well. Like he said, there's certain fights that just make sense at all completely. It's like, why are we even in this fight? We know who's gonna win. And yeah, like in in Civil War, um, the. <sighs> I want to say pro registration because that's what they called him in the comics, but I don't, I don't even know what 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 they, they call the sides in the movie. Uh, but the pro registration side had vision on their team. Yep, yep. it's done. You're, it's over. Exactly. It, 
<laughs> Vision has never been used to his max potential in, in the in the MCU. I I love the character. I love what they've done with him. But if you want to get as nitpicky to the core as you can, Vision is not used to his full potential. And probably neither is Scarlet Witch, even though Scarlet Witch is really getting strong <laughs> recently. Well, and see, Scarlet Witch, I've I've got a problem with the way they're dealing with Scarlet Witch. Just because, like, her powers were so interesting in the comics because she didn't understand them almost at all. Right, right. And that was like the nature of them. They were hex powers. They 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 messed with the fundamental nature of quantum mechanics. Right. And that's what places her better in the X-Men storytelling because to a certain degree, a lot of the X-Men don't really know the full extent of their powers and that's what makes them the mutants. That's what divides them from the rest of the MCU universe is that they have that constant struggling personality as to what more can I do or what little am I doing or why am oh, yeah, I that's, stuck that's why they need the school right exactly exactly and that that's what makes the the character Professor X so appealing and the mutant school so appealing it's almost like you feel like you're the outcast but you need that extra push to show you your true potential and that's what makes a character like Charles Xavier so inspiring yeah yeah, most definitely. And then of course Magneto, he kinda he kinda fits the bill for like uh a fatherless generation that the first guy that promised you everything and because you didn't have that father figure in your life, you just gravitate toward it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Mag Ma- the reason why Magneto and Xavier going against each other always makes for an interesting, like lifelong battle is because they're complete opposites of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's actually the best real-world example you could give to them. Like, that, that well, was yeah, a, that that's was what a they're quote. based off from. Yeah, I might have to pay you royalties if I use that quote, but that, that was genius. <laughs> well, it, was, it was Stan Lee's idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro yeah but perfect observation and um that's what makes every little thing they do every little um banter they have every little chess game they play um like so so brilliant to watch yeah no he uh magneto is definitely one of the the all-time top uh sympathetic villains you know you, you feel for him and exactly and love I mean, or when- hate love or hate what Fox has done with X-Men, you can never deny that in every single X-Men movie, Professor X and Magneto are treated right. Yes. It, well, other than what I was, I was just about to bring up, the one little thing that bugs me about the Magneto in the movies is that they never really touch on, like, the more he uses his power, it, it makes him insane. Right, right. So it's it's like that, that kind of excuses almost his behavior a little bit. Is like he's he's an ideologue, but he's also driving himself insane, and he doesn't know it. Right. You can You can You you wish he was a little more self aware to the damage he's doing, or do you wish like um, he kind of like what 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 we said before about the rest of the X Men kind of had a little bit of um, untapped knowledge, like we got in like the first class version of X Men. 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's an arc. You know, I don't I don't know if if they've ever like gotten to an end point with that like story thread. If 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 they've ever, ex- I, I I'm not super into the lore of of X Men, but like I I don't know if they've ever explored like having Professor X try and try and dial back his insanity or let or anything like that. I know they right. they merged into one person in the '90s. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous, and uh, I think. Like you said, I think that was almost um, Doc Ock Spider-Man switching bodies crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a little bit more, a little bit more off the deep end because this dude was like twelve feet tall, spiky <laughs> armor, and <laughs> not not a sustainable character for your universe. Yeah, exactly. And and then and then I kind of feel like. Um... What you might call it. I kind of feel like uh, most people have gravitated the most towards the first class version of Magneto when it comes to the movies. Do you think? Do you think there's any particular reason why? Um. Well, I don't know. I the um. The the movies. Those movies are newer and um, generally better. So I, I think that helps a lot. It's it's hard for anybody to, in my mind, beat you know Sir Ian McKellen, like that. His his delivery of those lines is just like yeah fuck he's he's Magneto. Like he doesn't look exactly like Magneto did in the comics. He was a little you know younger, a little more menacing, tough. Right. Like he, like he could beat an ass, but. Right. I, I I don't know like just Ian McKellen just <laughs> there's no line that that man could not deliver right I think I think we should definitely make probably since we already did the Spider Man and their actors show I think maybe as a nice like remix rehash we should probably compare actors of the X Men okay yeah it would be quicker since there's only two for most of them yeah exactly and then um and we could pick like the standout characters we don't we don't have to cover all of them because that that could take forever but if, if you want yeah to well and like saber tooth is quick yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't even thinking saber tooth but i'm glad you still brought him up because in my <laughs> opinion the say what you want about wolverine but at least uh, about origins wolverine but at least it gave us a decent saber tooth compared to the big fat joke that we got well, I, didn't, I didn't have a problem with the Sabretooth in the original X-Men movies. He was just a bit player, you know, like you, they just give him anything. You have a problem with Chewbacca's Sabretooth? Wow, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> you remember what Sabretooth looked like in the cartoons, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, what? I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, yes. I can see the authenticity level there, but at the same time, in my opinion, I'm not like a purist, so in my opinion, if a character looks like a joke in the comics, I can forgive reinventing them completely. Um, But at the same token, if someone's a purist and that's the way they like it, hey, agree to disagree. I I have no problem with that. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying, you know, Make him nine feet tall and, and six <laughs> feet wide. <laughs> yeah, but that was that dude was just a little bit too Chewbacca like to me. Uh, it was almost like you gave Chewbacca a little evil twist, and that's about it. <laughs> that 
sounds like you're describing uh, Sabretooth. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's pretty much it, though. So the more it's almost like what we've what we've had about our conversations, which when we were started talking, you got me uh, dialing back on on my Tom Holland fandom now because because I when I go back and I think about the original Sabretooth impressions we were left with, uh, you could be right. Yeah, because I mean, Sabretooth really is just an uh, unthoughtful Wolverine. Yeah, he ha- he has no depth compared to Wolverine, even though his powers are very almost almost the same. Yeah, well, they're they're brothers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he, so he, he like... he's definitely the brother with with absolutely no depth to him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the basically the same person, but a sociopath. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like how people always talk about the possibility of Moses and Ramesses being brothers, but Ramesses never gets talked about compared to Moses. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, that, or 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 on the other hand. Like Cain and Abel, like Cain gets all the praise and Abel gets like kind of forgotten in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 um the murderous brother usually is, is <laughs> the one that history judges poorly. Yeah the the one got the one that got blessed nobody talks about, but the one that got totally cursed everybody is is rock star treating Cain. <laughs> Which he probably in those days he probably did uh he probably did use a rock to kill a brother anyways. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh digressing. But um but yeah, the more and more I think about it, you you do bring up a legitimate point about Sabretooth. So uh, I'll I'll forgive that interpretation for now, but I think like I was saying before with the cheesiness of comics, I think we've reached a realm where if even a Deadpool could be given some depth I feel like now we've reached a reinvention of comics when it comes to translating it into movie form. That kind of should be the new standard. And that's even if you have a completely throwaway, forgettable character, at least give them a tiny amount of depth for us to be able to fit them into this cinematic realm or to at least have a lasting, memorable impression of them. Well, and it wasn't really the movies that did that for Deadpool. The movies is like raised to his, his visibility in, in like the public. That, that, uh, and that's what I'm talking about. And then like, for I think the point I was trying to bring up is that, and, and again, spoiler alert, like I felt like we barely saw um, agent Mariah Hill or even not even much of a fury recently in the Avengers movies. And I still felt when they vanished at the end credit scenes. So like, yeah, even, even in the first Avengers one, when we get um, the first, of course, uh, now turned fake death of agent Coulson, we barely had time with this dude. And you feel like you, you lost one of the greatest heroes. Yeah. Well, and (laughs) are the movies going to acknowledge that he's fucking alive? Exactly. I don't think, I don't think the MCU will... Well, that was two things that a lot of people were begging for. We still don't know what's going to happen in Avengers 4, but a lot of people were begging for, even if it's just a split-second scene, is the MCU ever going to acknowledge 
the Netflix MCU or Agents of Shield? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because Agents of Shield is always acknowledging the MCU, but it's it's almost like that deadbeat father. Like Agent uh, Agents of Shield is the son that keeps asking for the father, and MCU is like the father that never shows up. Yeah, and, and I'm also I'm confused about like do Netflix do MCU too. Want us to believe that that the Vision is like based on the brain patterns of the actual real life Jarvis from um what agent what's her name? Carter. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because that... Paul Bettany is on that show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> so but they I don't think they ever like have acknowledged that fact. They have well, like like uh, like Stuckman has said in the previous again one of my favorite reviews, how Marvel has kind of double dipped on a certain few characters or actors like like again the lady with the son in Civil Wars also um, Cottonmouth's brother and Luke Cage. So, that is weird, but I think this is deliberate. Like they didn't just accidentally cast him as Jarvis. He was he was always the voice of Jarvis. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, like, I feel like they were doing that on purpose. And th- this one is another one that probably flew over a lot of people's heads. Um, in Agent in Agent Carter as well, um, the the guy with the the walking stick that that she ends up falling for at the end of season two. Uh, this is a real reach. Where do you remember him from the MCU? I don't. I didn't get that far in the show. He. He was he was one of the policemen on the street in Avengers One. After the other cop next to him says, "Why should we take orders from you?" I love that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we so need that... Sixth Street. We need to get people underground. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that scene was still um, damn entertaining to this day, even from the first viewing when I was in the IMAX theater at that time. But but the policeman standing right behind him. He then is recast now as the new, um, the new boyfriend of Agent Carter, in Agent Carter series. So, so they oh. have double dipped on a few characters. It must must be his grandfather. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, then they, they should have they should have Sharon Carter did at least. But I don't know. It, it kind of flew over people's heads because we only saw him for a split second in Avengers One anyway, so probably nobody noticed. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, and then of course we, no one's ever gonna get around the fact of how many different people Stanley has been the MCU. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody kept saying he was the Watcher, <laughs> and that that always bugged me because it was like it doesn't make any sense. Like the Watcher doesn't need to take a human form to come down and watch. Exactly. And not to mention that there's there's another character in the Marvel uh, in the in the comics that fits so much better, but it was based on I believe Steve Ditko, and it's it's called the One Above All, and yeah. it, it is hands down the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. Period, oh, and there yeah. cannot be anything more powerful. Yeah, I'm still waiting to see if, if they plan 10, 20 years of now to introduce the one above all in the MCU. 
That's yeah, it's still running by that time. I feel like it. That would that would be a good place to 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 explain the the Stanley cameos. Although they they did kind of do that. Like they had the the Watchers in Guardians too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And then also, um, what was the other thing I was thinking about? Um, yeah, because I mean the MCU is already proven uh steven spielberg wrong so i mean if you prove one of the greatest directors of all time wrong um I, i'm not gonna blame them if they try to do this again for another 10 20 years but how they how they prove him wrong uh because he said uh this is gonna die down very quick and uh superhero fans are gonna grow very fatigued and give up on these movies very quick yeah <laughs> <laughs> <That> happened <laughs> He said that I think back in Age of Ultron days. So look, look how far we've come since. <laughs> I think he's just bitter that we didn't make it to Jaws Nine 3D. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's even more bitter that he put his executive production on Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> and th- this is a-, a hypocritical thing. I never get about Hollywood. Every Hollywood director that talks shit about the any comic book franchise has tried a franchise. Uh, yeah. And well, one of those franchises, if even if it had a successful origin, always flopped. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could you could point to like the Crystal Skull for for Spielberg. Right. Or the the most recent one, uh, the director of Valerian also was uh, bitching about how much he hates the MCU. Who was that Valerian? Was I thought that was the... I forgot his name, but being the disgrace that Valerian was, I was like, really? You're going to bitch and moan all this about the MCU and your own attempt at a, at a franchise was that bad? <laughs> I heard it was quite disappointing. I, I couldn't I couldn't get through the first forty five minutes or hour of it. I had to like skim through the, the second hour. Oh. And and then at this point, I mean, look, um you're probably gonna heavily hate me for this, but I love her as an artist, but the second you put Rihanna in the movie, I know probably hands down, like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm still having my hopes up for and this is off topic for comics, but I'm still having my hopes up for Ocean's 8. But if they destroy the Ocean's franchise for me with Ocean's 8, I am going to be so PO'd. And, <laughs> and I, I don't care what feminist is listening during that review. I, I'm going to let them have it like I let them have it with Ghostbusters. But anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Anyhow. Um, I've never seen Rihanna in At World's End. And she only added to that film. You're talking about what? Pirates of the Caribbean? No. Um, it was like some apocalypse movie with um, James Franco. Oh, man. I'm not even sure if I've heard of that one. I think that's what it was called. At World's End. No, but you're right. That That is a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, so it must not be that. But yeah, it was like the world is ending and there's like... 25 different celebrities all in this house party oh you mean not that's not a that's not the comedy this is the end right this is the end yeah 
Oh, wow. I didn't even know Rihanna was in that film because I haven't even seen it yet. That's why. Yeah, yeah. She's only in it for a minute. It's just a, a brief cameo, but it's pretty hilarious. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, yeah. well, that's the thing. I, I, I'm not giving up on her. I still feel like she has some acting chops in her, but what she's done up to this point, with maybe the exception of Battleship, which I don't even know why we're basing movies off of board games, but then again, we have based movies off Hasbro toys. Hey, um it was the shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you better believe it. And then the other thing I think, uh, now that it just occurred to me, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, seeing Rihanna cast as a Power Ranger in the future. Okay. She might be, she might be too old for the role, but I actually wouldn't mind. They could make Power Rangers not teenagers. Yeah, that's true, too, because, I mean, uh, as you probably have already heard, they intend on making, uh, and, and now I, and I'm like, I'm kind of fearful right now because I did have a weak spot for the first one. I do own the first one. I did like it, uh, the, 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 remake. the remake. But at the same token, now that uh, Hasbro has bought them, and prior to Hasbro buying them out, they announced six more films. I was like, please don't, please do not transform this shit. <laughs> if they do to Power Rangers what they did to Transformers, again, I cannot explain to you my anger. <laughs> well, I, 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 I need to check out that Power Rangers movie. It, it didn't, it didn't seem appealing. That, yeah, that's the thing, though. If, um, if you had any sort of gravitational pull towards the very first Power Rangers um, animated film or or comic or TV show, then, then this this one will appeal to you. Outside of that, um, you're either going to be half and half between the the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie, or you're going to feel like it was a disappointment. It's it's one of those love or hate movies, and maybe only a few will be in between on the fence about it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was into to the Mighty Morphin run. And like, I stayed on for like a few weeks after the the movie came out, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie where they turned into ninjas. You might you might hate me for this, but I've always kind of seen Power Rangers and TMNT as like the bad knockoff attempts to get Spider Man like success. Oh, absolutely! Yeah they they were they were just like recycled clips from an old Japanese show like the exactly they, it was obviously just a cash grab yeah it was it was um uh is it Saban or Sabin yeah it's it's uh, S- Saban I believe and and like you said it's almost like Japanese anime people got together in office and said let's make a parody version of Spider-Man just with a whole bunch of characters with different colors well, and the the Japanese the so, same. Turn ten to front desk. Ten four. All right, I'm actually have to go here in a minute. <laughs> oh, sure, no problem. Um. Uh, but yeah, I will definitely check out that that Power Rangers movie if it seems like it might be more of interest than I thought. Yeah. So last thing I'll leave you with is. Uh, see if you can give it a quick viewing maybe before our next recording maybe we could discuss that or like I said if you need more time to watch it we could always discuss uh, comparing the X-Men actors yeah yeah for sure
Yeah, definitely, Sam. All right, this has been fun. It's been real once again. Cinemarvel signing out, and uh, I don't know how much in deep we got into our personal stories or comic book stories. It's kind of like an all-over-the-place topic-wise, but I hope the fans enjoy it. Sure. <laughs> Cheers, Sam. Great talking to you. Have a good one.